there are times we are unprepared for meetings. You know, the minute you realize that you can lose focus within the meeting and as you may not be able to meet all the requirements or even provide the necessary info that is required of you, it becomes sort of a disaster. Now, we wouldn't want that happening, you know, to you, especially when meeting an architect. So, you know, especially if you are going to see, especially if you are going to determine if they are the right fit for you, would want you to be prepared, right? After all, if the architect is the right fit, we don't want you to lose time, you know, in agreeing to a contract and then a fee proposal and then beginning to work together to realize your project. So today, I'm going to talk about the things that you need before you can approach an architect to sort of better prepare you for the things that are going to happen or what might take place in the meeting. This is the paradigm shift to bring a change to the thinking of architecture. I am Zimu. This is Architectural Revolution. To start off, um, I'm going to list out uh, things you need before approaching an architect. Some things you can carry with you. Others, there would be no need to. There will be no need to carry it, you know. Maybe right at that moment, but it's always good to have it on hand. Okay. So the first, I'll say, is land, a site. Yeah, it seems obvious to have a piece of land, or you know, site before approaching an architect. But I can definitely think I can count the number of times people have. I've I've had people approach architects with uh, with no land, you know, to back the project that is is gonna be on solid ground, you know, and it's for me it's it's kind of funny when that happens, but it is what it is, and uh, uh, people want some prayers, but it, it with no land then there's there's nothing you can you can, you can do about having a project especially if it's going to be a custom home uh an office design an office building or factory you know projects of that nature but you know they, don't get me wrong there are always there will always be projects that don't require a land on site but i think in, in this country doing a project there's always a need for a site you know but so the projects that I wouldn't need a site would be, you know, movable, tiny homes, you know, or, um, trailers with um, tiny homes attached to them, or houseboats. I think I'm yet to see a houseboat, but there's there is a floating, it's a floating house. I think yeah, there's a floating house in Akosombudu. Would love to see that. But I don't think I don't think it it, it moves. I don't think it moves. So houseboats, trailers with tiny homes on them, bus conversions, converted trucks, RVs, and many others, which 
they sort of categorically fall under tiny homes, you know, the tiny home movement. So those would be projects that don't require land. Understand? Uh, the second, I'll say if you have a piece of land or a site, the second thing you need is a site plan. A site plan. Always have your site plan with you. Make sure, you know, you do, because without it, architects would not know. Like, without a site plan, how, how do you know that the land even exists of? For the project that you want to realize, how 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 do we how do we even visit it? Or even sometimes, how do you know that the land belongs to you? Because you know, in this country where we somebody can sell family land to one individual and then sell it again to another individual, and if the first person didn't register it early enough at the um, lands commission or town and country planning and you know, all all those processes then the land can then go to the second owner the second person who bought it which is fraud for the person who sold it then there's this whole dispute because then there's court cases because one person starts building the other is like yo yo what are you doing that is that is my land you know that kind of thing and that that's kind of like a hassle for us because if design has already happened and then we started building it we started putting out the project and then now realize that the land is is not rightfully yours and you have to break everything. I was, there's this situation where somebody started building a house on a piece of land. I think they finished the ground floor, just block works. You know, they just built, they've done the foundation, they've done the, the block wall or the masonry wall up to the required height for the ground floor. So that, that would be about three meters. So from the land, it's about maybe I think it was 3.6. And then there was a land dispute, you see. And now there was a court case. The person who was building lost the case because the land does not belong to him. And now, you know, the original owner has to demolish, has to demolish it all. The person has to pay for the, de for the demolition. It always happens. It's quite sad, but please do make sure that if you are even going to buy a piece of land, make sure that you register early. Make sure the person selling it to you has the right to sell it to you because sometimes they do not and sometimes they might actually even be con artists, con men and, and those, you know, those kind of people, okay? So the size plan helps us to know if it, be, if it, it really belongs to you. Now, we won't go and make those checks to know if a site really belongs to you. You've come to an architect. You want a design realized, yeah. We visit you, so you say this is your site. We will visit the site with the help of your site plan. We know the area that's uh, available, the location, okay, the surroundings of your sites, and even the designated land use. It, it, it comes up in sort of the pre design aspect, the pre design stage of the design process. And so the land use will come up when we do a little a little bit of research, especially you know, either your district assembly, either district assembly of where the land is located or town and country planning, because you know, it helps us to know uh, what to work with before sometimes even before performing a site analysis when we visit the site. Right? The site plan is important. I don't think anybody should be able to work. 
I don't think there's any actor in Ghana who would start work without a size plan. Some people don't have size plans, so then you you uh, they you then have to go to a surveyor, a licensed surveyor, to do all that for you. Um, the sport elevation, determining the where exactly your land is located, the boundaries and everything, issue the the site plan, have it certified, licensed, and then documented in uh, what do you call it? Uh, within the government institution, the right government body that's supposed to do all those things. And later on, maybe I'll find them and then um, talk about all those things. So, so you have land or your site, second site plan. Move on to the third. The third, I'll say, would be a design brief. Okay, most most institutions and corporations, companies, uh, the big, the big boys, you know, they formulate a design brief before commission an architect. Um, I'd mostly see this in government institutions. Okay, uh, they they come and they give their brief. This is what they want. You know. They want this, if it's a, a school body, they want this campus or they want this hall, this auditorium within their school. And then the design brief, they list out all the things that they want, the spaces they require. Then the actor has to do feasibility, whether it's possible and all those things. Okay, so we are not focusing on that. So the brief then will give like the, the sense of direction to what you want. And it doesn't have to be detailed. If it's a customer, it doesn't really have to be detailed. But it's always good you have your brief with you so that when you are talking with um, the architect, you know he gets a fair idea of the spaces you want, the activities, always important, both indoor and outdoor, that you perform when the building is in use. Brief, always important. Uh, it's better, to, it's always best to have it when you go and meet an architect. Just don't go... And then say, oh, I want like, uh, uh, what is it? Oh, like a two-bedroom house, you know, maybe some small kitchen here, some, maybe a backyard, you know, maybe no backyard. No, I don't want a guard. You know, have the time, create that brief. You want a living room. You want a kitchen. You want one bedroom, just one bedroom, master bedroom. You want a storage area. You want a garage. It doesn't have to be so detailed that you give the area and all those things. But it, that fair idea needs to be established so that you know first what you want. That then knows what you also want. After agreeing proposal and, you know, contracts, signing and all those things, payment of fees, whatever. Those, the initial processes for the, before the actors can start to work then you can then the actors will help you to even go deeper during the design process. And then we don't have to there doesn't need to be a lot of back and forth and then you know uh, double working and all that. It's stressful when that happens. Okay. Preparing yourself by creating the brief is is always good. It's certainly helping the architects to also to be able to also help you. Okay. Always should always have a brief. I think this is this is one of the most in, important things when you're approaching an architect. Because, I mean, he'll definitely ask you. Okay. And he shouldn't ask you and then you are now thinking of it on the spot. Because you know you want a house. Right? 
And then when you're speaking to him, you're now thinking of what you want. And he has just if if you even come with it on a piece of paper, handwritten, typed, whatever, and just slide it. If it's physically slide it on the table, he reads through, you know. From there you can work out everything that would 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 go on, you know, in uh in, within the time that you'll be working together. So I'd say I think this is the last one. One thing you need, the fourth. I won't say you you would 100% need it, but to communicate effectively on what's possible for your project, always have a design budget in mind. I think I spoke a bit about it in architects' budgets versus builders' budgets. Always have that in mind as it will help the architect to also tailor the services he can provide to meet your pockets. You know, uh, we spoke about a bit of services, not the services the actors can provide for you in the previous episode. So, with the budget in mind, your design brief, what you know, the services that the service that you know the actors can provide for you, it will all determine the budget that you think you can be able to spend. You know, some services may not be required for you at that moment. You know, because uh, you have to make sure to expect, you have to make sure to not expect. Um, to acquire full architectural design services with your budget that you have, especially if it's not, it's not, it's not going to be long. It's not going to be a, a huge project. Uh, the previous episode, no, episode, I think episode three will give you fair idea, uh, which is actors' budget versus builders' budget on you know, the whole budget thing. Maybe later on, I can even go deeper into it. So that budget in mind, the services. So you have, let's say, if earmarked twenty-five thousand. No, let me go with thirty thousand for this kind of five-bedroom house. Let's go with custom home again. Five-bedroom house and thirty thousand may not give you full architectural design service package. All right. Let's just be frank. I probably won't won't give you that service. So some with that budget and then the services that you require from the architect and then your brief, the architect will know that this might not be enough. He he will tell you, okay. And in that regard, you you may want full design, but with that we can be able to help you. He can be able to tell you that okay, we can remove these services from from what we provide. We can take out these things so that we can work within your budget and then still be able to provide you with enough enough work that will meet all your requirements for your project all your design requirements for your project which can sometimes include um you know the construction drawings and uh, the, the design development stage the pre-design a bit of site analysis and all that the budget is 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 is, is important here okay so you can have half maybe just a bit of uh, probably half of the design services with thirty thousand with that kind of project. Uh, I'm not saying that's the right amount. I'm just you know giving an ex- uh, sort of example here. Also, you can have your construction budget or your builder's budget in mind, but in in meeting with the architects, you may not need it maybe like during the first meeting or when you're approaching like it. Always, always. So I think it's it's good just to say it's good to have it handy. I won't, you know, it might not be needed in in your approach 
to uh, um, an architect, it would possibly be helpful when you meet a design build firm, you know, a firm that does both design and construction. So in that regard, you know how much you are paying for design or the money you are willing to spend on design and then also the money you are also willing to spend on construction. So with a firm like that, it's it, it would definitely help you. Just make sure that you have that construction budget in mind. Okay, If it's only a design firm, uh, architectural design firm, having the construction budget in mind is good. Just that maybe in the first two meetings, it might not be important. During the, the design stages, then it's good to add that so that the actor will know how much you're willing to spend and then focus is designed to meet your requirements, to meet that budget so that you create something that's affordable for you. Affordability is subjective. So with the money you are willing to spend, he makes, he makes his design and, and the project affordable for you. Right, so you don't get to spend, uh, you don't spend or waste a lot of money on something that you realize is killing, is killing you internally, killing your bank accounts and just draining your, your funds that can be used for your family and all, all, all those kind of things. So um, with these four, I said land or site, site plan, design brief, then having your design budget. I think it will suffice, you know, in your approach to an architect. If there are more, I would come again and then, you know, add, 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 add a bit, you know, update the list so in a way, you know, and it's always best prepared. So best prepared with all these things so that I can answer all your questions and queries and also ask you questions, you know, to determine which direction you want to head, you want to head to. Okay, always good to know where you're going to head to. But notice that in your, if you are unprepared for this, the process of architecture can take a really long time. And but since you now, since you now have to gather all these things, and again, you meet the architect, then you have to now go back, try and find through your documents at home, which is probably under your bed or in some cupboard somewhere behind behind it or something. You know, carrying all these things get you better prepared, and you don't have to go back to do all these things. And then you remember that, you know, in with the remember that the nature of architecture is always reborn whole to fire with you. So always have what you need before making that approach.